Well, good morning again, everyone, and welcome to Encounter Church. Man, I'm so excited that we get to be together this morning for a lot of reasons, but one of those is because today is a special Sunday here at Encounter. You may have noticed something special at the starting point desk when you walked in, and that's because today is Volunteer Celebration Sunday. Um, And so we just wanted to take uh, a morning, some time and space to honor, to recognize, and to celebrate all of the amazing volunteers that serve here at Encounter Church. So uh, if you could do me a favor, if you currently serve on one of our volunteer teams, whether that's worship, guest experience, next gen groups, lead team, mission, like there's so many of them, uh, the list goes on. If you currently serve in one of our volunteer ministries, could you do me a favor? Could you go ahead and stand for just a moment? Fulton Heights 2, both locations. Go ahead and stand. Awesome. Come on. Can we thank our volunteers this morning? And keep standing just for a second. You know, here at Encounter, it takes over 70 people to make ministry happen on a Sunday morning. And we know that ministry here doesn't just happen on a Sunday. It happens throughout the week and throughout the year. And and there's many more of you who are plugged into serving, and you're joining in the effort to bring people far from God to new life in Christ. And so for all of those who are serving, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for using your gifts and your talents to serve one another, to serve this community. Listen, Encounter Church, this thing does not happen without you saying, yes, I'll be part of it. So thank you for serving. Come on, can we give it up for them one more time? Thank you, guys. You can go ahead and have a seat. Um, And as a way just to make it a bit special... Uh, at the end of worship today, you can start by, stop by the starting point desk. We have some tropical ice cream for you. Uh, and also, you can pick up one of these cards. And on the back, you can write a thank you note and hand it to a volunteer. So we got some ice cream after. And listen, because you know that, uh, I know that I have to preach a little bit faster this morning. Uh, and if you're watching online, uh, you got 30 minutes to get here to get some as well. Uh, so uh, last month was a big month for my wife and I as we celebrated six years of marriage together. Can you believe that? Six years? Yes. She's put up with me for that long. She definitely deserves that hand clap. Uh, But I remember the day uh, that we got engaged. Uh, It was August 12th, 2016. And I've shared a little bit of this story with Fulton Heights, but I'm going to fill it out just a little bit more. Um, I remember that day. It was wonderful. She said yes. And after that day, we started this wonderful, peaceful, no confrontation, relaxed process called wedding planning. (laughs) Just kidding. But it was good. It was good, right? And uh, we had a beautiful wedding. It It was an amazing day. Uh, For our honeymoon, we went to the great state of Wisconsin, which I've heard of no one doing. Um, But the cabin was free and we were broke, so we had no other choice. When we got back from our honeymoon, we moved into our 800-square-foot apartment. It was was one of those apartments where when you invite someone in and you would give them a tour, you'd be like, okay, stand here, now look left. Okay, look right. There it is. Isn't it awesome? Right? But we didn't care. It was 800 square foot, but it was ours. It was our first apartment. And in the first couple of months, we didn't know if we wanted to try to have kids right away. So we're like, let's start with a dog and see how that goes. And so we got Cooper. I should have I grabbed a photo of him, but I didn't this morning. I'll, I'll check that next time. Uh, I was working for a global business here in Grand Rapids. Great salary, great benefits. 
I was going to a Bible college for a master's program because I believe God was calling me into ministry. Listen, life was on the up and up. I was, I was saving for retirement at 25. Like, I was full-blown adulting, y'all. But how many of us know that life, it's not like this, is it? How many of us know and have experienced that life is more like this? The company that I worked for had a history of downsizing during seasons of economic hardship, and we found ourselves in one of those seasons. And so I'll never forget the day, January 25th, 2018, I walked into a meeting with both of my bosses and a representative from HR where they informed me that while they loved having me on the team, my position was being terminated effective immediately. That very same week, I kid you not, that same week we got a letter in the mail that said the lease of our apartment that was up for renewal within a month was no longer up for renewal. They were asking us to leave. We were getting kicked out. It turns out it was because of the dog, but we were a package deal at that point, right? How many of us know that life, it's, it's not like this. It's like this. And perhaps in that season and in that moment, losing my job and, and getting kicked out of our apartment, while those were challenging things, those can be replaced. Those weren't the most challenging things. You know, when a couple gets married, what's, what's marked by that season is a season of joy, right? But for us, it wasn't marked as a season of joy as much as it was marked by a season of grief. That's because one month before our wedding, my father-in-law had finished his battle with cancer and he went home to be with Jesus. It was challenging. So in the first couple months of marriage, we're not only having to learn how to be married to one another, but we're also having to deal with a level of grief that we did not know was possible. Our faith was being tested. And if we're honest this morning, when our faith is tested like that, sometimes it's hard to trust God. At least it was for us. You know, at the dinner table at night, we weren't praying, God, thank you for this food. No, we were praying, God, are you sure you know what you're doing right now? Because it doesn't look like it. And I'm willing to bet this morning that I'm not the only one who has asked that. I'm willing to bet this morning that if I gave you the microphone, you could tell me a story of how life is like this, of how at night you lied awake day after day, night after night, asking, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? Because it doesn't look like it. You know, I know someone right now who has seen one financial blow after another. They're looking at their house, they're looking at their car, and it seems like anything that can break is breaking, and they're backed up against debt, and no matter how hard they try to get out, it's just not working, and that financial stress is getting heavier and heavier. Your whole life, you wanted to be the mom with the minivan, and now you are, and you love it, but you never thought it would be this exhausting. Jack's got a soccer practice at 4. Claire has dance practice at 4.30. Meanwhile, Joey will not be quiet about you taking him to Walmart to get the video game that you promised him for his birthday. And of all evenings, this is the evening that your husband has a work meeting at night. But no worries, you super it, 
right? You got all of the things done on time. You brought them home, got them fed, put them to bed, and you're tired and you're exhausted, but there's laundry that's overflowing. Dishes are in the sink and they're on the counter, and all you want to do is go to bed, but you're sitting there thinking and knowing that tomorrow is going to be the exact same thing, and you feel trapped in the life that you once thought or once knew was your dream. Or when, when you were engaged, when you were engaged, you're like, Pastor, oh, we're the same person. Oh, we, we have the same interests. We have the same taste in music. We want to go on the same vacations. Oh, we can just talk all night. It's like we're the same person. Anyone say that in the engagement? Just me. Okay, just me. All right. But, but it's six months in, and now you're asking, Pastor, who is this guy? He ain't got but three words to say when he comes home. He spends all his money on happy hour. We're never going on the vacation. And I promise if he doesn't put the toilet seat down one more time. Who, or, or I know someone who, who just finished their degree with loans and they're in their first job. And they know they should love their job and appreciate their job, but, but they just can't. It's, it's hard for them. They're sitting at their desk on Monday morning, and they know they should be excited about the week ahead, but they're dreading it, thinking, how am I going to do this every single day? How am I going to do this each and every single week? They're saying, God, I, I, I prayed about this, and I thought this is what you said yes to. I thought this is the job you wanted me to take. And they're sitting there, and they're saying, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? Because it doesn't look like it. As it turns out, we're not the only ones who have asked that question. It turns out we're not the only ones whose faith has been tested. There's a hero in the Old Testament, like a big hero. And before he receives the title of hero, he asks a version of that question, not once, not twice, but three times. It's the story of Moses. And we find his story in Exodus chapter 3 into chapter 4. And as we get ready to dive in, let me just bring you up to speed with what's happened. So God's people, the Israelites, they find themselves in a famine. And so they go to Egypt because Egypt is their best chance at food. And while they're in Egypt, the king there, Pharaoh, he decides to make the Israelites his slaves. And so now the Israelites have experienced over 400 years of bondage and slavery. And God comes to a guy named Moses and he says, Moses, I've seen the misery of my people. It's time to go get them. And we pick up the story here in chapter 3, starting in verse 7. It says this, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing uh, with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. It's a complicated list right there. Verse 9, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt and here's where we see Moses question God for the first time. But Moses said, God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites 
out of Egypt. You know, sometimes I think we hesitate to trust God because instead of focusing on who God is, we focus on who we're not. Moses says, who am I? If, if this is a new story for you, let me add just a little bit of history and context. Moses is born at a time when Pharaoh gives an order to kill all of the newborn Hebrew boys. Right? Pharaoh wants to control the population of Israel. And so Moses' mom, she has him, and she, uh, she hides him in her home for about three months. And after she can hide him no longer, she does something that I can't even imagine doing as a parent. Uh, she places her son in a basket, and she puts him on the banks of the Nile River. And it's no coincidence that on that day, Pharaoh's daughter just so happens to be bathing in that river. And the text says that she sees the boy, she feels sorry for him, and she takes him as her son. She takes him as her son. And, uh, and the text kind of skips over his childhood. Um, but we know that Moses understands that while he grew up in the palace of Egypt, he understands that he's not an Egyptian. He, he fully understands that he's a Hebrew. And so one day Moses is out. He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And so he waits for that Egyptian to be alone. And Moses actually kills the Egyptian, hides him in the sand, thinks that he's good to go. But word gets out of what Moses has done. And now Pharaoh sends an army after Moses. Uh, Moses has to flee Egypt. And he goes to a place called Midian. Uh, where he gets married, settles down, has kids. And some scholars believe that 40 years goes by. When uh, Moses is tending the flocks, he's in the routine of his day. After 40 years go by, God comes to him and says, Moses, I've seen the misery of my people. It's time to go get them. Moses is like, where are they at? Oh, they're in Egypt? Um, little history lesson for you, God. Uh, do you remember what happened in Egypt? Uh, do you remember that I kind of killed a man there? Do you remember that my face is on the wanted posters? Do you remember that Pharaoh sent his army after me? Do you remember what happened in Egypt and you want me to go back there? You're crazy. That This is not a job for me, especially if it's in Egypt. And you know, sometimes I, I think we can maybe poke fun at Moses and his hesitancy to trust God. But sometimes, man, I'm the same way. Sometimes it's like if, if God comes to me and asks me to do something crazy like that, it's like I've got a thousand excuses ready to tell God why that's not a good idea. Kyle, I, I want you to increase your giving to missions. God, do you see the inflation rates right now? God, I, or Kyle, I, I want you to forgive you know who. Nope, God, I kind of like being mad at him. It's kind of easier that way, right? We, we wrestle, we wrestle. So, but, but maybe for you, maybe for you, you are quick to trust. You are quick to surrender, quick to go when he says go, quick to stop when he says stop. But if you're anything like Moses, and if you're anything like me, quick really isn't in your vocabulary, no, your vocabulary is more like that of a toddler who is just learning how to talk. But why? But why, God? No, no, God, you're not listening, but why? You know, maybe for you, your surrender is a bit slower, and you have a few more whys to ask. 
And maybe that's just because you, your personality is more skeptical by nature. Maybe if you're honest, it's just because you're stubborn. Like, I know we got a lot of Dutch people in here. Y'all people are stubborn. I'm married into that. Y'all are stubborn. I'm going to pay for that later. Or maybe if you're honest, you, you just, you hesitate to trust God fully. Listen, if you're in any of those three categories this morning, I want this to comfort you, that God has a quick grace for your slow surrender. God has a quick grace for your slow surrender. He did with Moses. Let's look at the text, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. You see, for some of us, that's all we need. All we need is for God to say, I'll be with you, and we're ready to go and do the thing that God has asked us to do. But for others, we need a little bit more. We've got a few more whys to ask. And so does Moses. Verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Even after God tells Moses, look, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. Moses, he's still not sure. He's still hesitant to surrender. His trust isn't fully there. And the question that he's asking is really the question of authority, isn't it? He's saying, God, under whose authority am I going to do the thing that you've asked me to do? Because when crap hits the fan, and let's be honest, that happens in life, seems like every single day, when there's challenges, when there's difficulty, I want to know who's in my corner so I can go to for help. Under whose authority are you asking me to go? So when they ask who sent you, what do I tell them? What does God say? He says, I am who I am. Now, I gotta be honest, when, when I was newer to scripture and I read that for the first time, I had no idea what he was talking about. Like, I thought it was a typo. I thought I had a bad Bible. Like, I, that, like that just didn't make any sense to me. But as you begin to dig in and, and do a word study of how, who God is revealing himself to be, um, what we find there is he's revealing himself in the personal name of Yahweh. We talked a little bit about it last week. And in this revealing of his name, we see his character. We, we get to know his, his, his personality, his, his strengths, who he is, what he's capable of. In Yahweh, it's his personal name. He's saying, I'm not just a God. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I'm the God who delights in being with his people. And Moses, that is who is giving you the authority to do what I'm asking you to do. So as Moses is wrestling with this, one might think that as Moses receives this from God, as Moses contemplates, he says, if that's the God who's telling me to do this, if, if it's the I am, the one who's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-capable, if it's the one who holds the world in the palm of his hand and, and nothing happens without him knowing, if, if that's who's in my corner, well, I'll go and do the thing. 
But Moses just isn't there yet. The rest of chapter 3 and into chapter 4, we're not going to read it, but, but God and Moses are wrestling. His faith is being tested. And God says, Moses, I'll even perform miracles through you so that you know that I'm with you and so that they know that I'm with you. He says, listen, Moses, I'll even turn your staff to a snake. No thanks, God. Don't like snakes. And he says, listen, I'll even turn the Nile River to blood and and I'll prove that I will be with you. But Moses is hesitant to trust. He's hesitant to surrender. And the conversation reaches a turning point in chapter 4, verse 10. Here's what it says. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow in speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But in Moses' slow to surrender In his slowness to fully trust God, he says this in verse 13. Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please, send someone else. Have you ever been there? God, I can't do that. I don't have the right education. I don't come from the right family. I don't have the right experience. God, I'm not the right one for the job. Please pick someone else. You see, Moses, he he looks at the task at hand and he looks at himself in the mirror and he says, that guy's not good enough. Moses says, God, you you want me to go back into Egypt and and tell over 600,000 Israelites that now is just magically the time for them to leave what they've only known over 400 years of bondage and slavery. You want me to go back to Egypt, also where I'm wanted for murder? You want me to go back in there and be that kind of leader? God, I can't even talk normal. How do you want me to be that kind of leader? Isn't he asking a question that we've all asked at one point in our lives? God, are you sure you know what you're doing? Because it doesn't look like it. Moses says, God, if if I'm your plan A, you're a bad planner. (laughs) But look what happens next. I get excited about this part. Look, look what God is setting up for Moses and setting up for you and I. Let's check it out. Verse 14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. That's not my favorite part, but that, that is what it is. He says, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak. He is already on his way to meet you. Somebody say, Already. He's already on his way, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. When we look at the conversation with God and Moses, here's what we don't read. This is what we don't read. Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh to tell him to let the Israelites go. 
God, I can't do that. I'm slow in speech and tongue. God said, Moses, you're slow in what? You're slow in speech and what? I didn't know that. You were my plan A. I don't have a plan B. Oh, man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do, Moses? That's not the conversation, is it? God says, Moses, I'm the one who created you. I'm the one who formed you in your mother's womb. I'm the one who selected your strengths and skills by design, even the ones that you lack. I'm the one who protected you in the basket in the Nile when Pharaoh gave the orders to kill all the Hebrew boys. And God says, if I've called you to it, I'm going to equip you. Aaron, your brother, he's already on the way. He's already on the way. So where are you hesitant to trust God this morning? Where are you asking why? Where is your faith being tested? Is it in your finances? Are you wondering if you're going to have enough money to make rent that's due at the end of the month? Is it in your parenting? Are you wondering if you are a good enough mom or good enough dad? Is it in your marriage? Is it struggling and you're down to the last straw and you don't know how it's going to work? Is it in your job? Are you at your desk tomorrow morning questioning, wondering, God, is this where you want me to be? Is this what you want me to be doing? Listen, maybe it's just with your life. Maybe recently you've been contemplating the message in the gospel of Jesus where he says, if you come to me, I'll give you rest, I'll give you eternal life. And you're just wondering if he's trustworthy enough um, for something that big, something that important. Listen, I might not know what you need this morning, but your heavenly father does. Receive that today. I don't know what you need, but your heavenly father does. And it's been my prayer all week that he might speak to your heart. My child, I know what you need. Guess what? Aaron, he's already on the way. He's already on the way. And here's what I want us to recognize this morning is that when Aaron shows up, he might not look the way we want him to look. Here's what I mean by that. When you look at the text, what does it seem like Moses wants? He wants his speech to be healed, right? His his speech, that seems to be his greatest insecurity. When push comes to shove, that is the reason why he can't do what God is asking him to do. And God says, Moses, I know what you want but I'm not gonna give you what you want. I'm gonna give you something better. I'm gonna give you what you need. Aaron, your brother, he's already on the way. He's already on the way. And what happens as a result? If you finish the story, Moses agrees to the plan that God has. He goes into Egypt, he confronts Pharaoh, and they, the Israelites, they leave 400 years of bondage and slavery, and they're on their way to the promised land, a land flowing of milk and honey. Now, did all of that go smoothly? No. Does anything in life go smoothly? No. At one point, the Israelites complain against Moses. They say, Moses, we don't have enough food here. If we could just go back to Egypt, Moses like, are you kidding me? After everything that we've been through, you want to go back to Egypt? 
it seems like each day Moses was faced with another test, another trial, another opportunity to trust God. It isn't that a lot like our lives today. That each day, it seems like there's a new test, a new trial, a new opportunity to trust God. And I want us, and I know sometimes we can look at that as a bad thing, and it's hard, don't get me wrong, but I, wanna, I want us to shift our perspective this morning. I want, us, I want us to see that as a good thing, and here's why. Here's why. It's because a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that can't be trusted. A faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that can't be trusted. Why was Moses tested? Why are you tested? It's because you haven't developed perseverance until your back's against the wall. You haven't formed character until you've been tested. You don't have a sense of identity until it's been called into question. Perhaps that is why life is like this, so that when we're in this, God can remind us, I am who I am, I'm in your corner, I'm with you, and I've got you. Perhaps that's why. So, so what do we do this morning? What do we do when, when we're in the thick of it? When we're down here in the challenge and the difficulty and the grime that's called life, what do we do? What do we do when your job says you're no longer needed? What do we do when you're kicked out of your apartment? What do you do when you lie awake at night saying, God, are you sure you know what you're doing because it just doesn't seem like it? There's an interesting story in Mark's gospel. It's only five verses long. There's a blind man, and he goes up to Jesus because he wants to be healed. And before you read the end of the story, you might think that Jesus will lay his hands on him, pray for him, and he'll be healed. Or Jesus will say, it's done, and it's done. I mean, Jesus has performed miracles like this before. But that's not what he does. In fact, he does something that is so bizarre. Jesus actually spits in the man's face. And then he lays his hands on him. And he says, can you see? Today's uh, volunteer celebration, Sunday, uh, we're going to have a new volunteer team called the the Healing Spitters. And so if you want to sign up for that, we'll have sign-ups in the back. Dirk's not, uh, he's on vacation. That's, Dirk, that's what you get when you're on vacation. Um, but the man with, with spit in his face, he, he says, I, I see people, but they look like trees. And listen, I'm no eye doctor, but if you can't tell the difference between a person and a tree, you can't see, can you? No. Did Jesus just try to perform a miracle and it didn't work? That man with spit in his eyes must be thinking, God, are you sure you know what you're doing? Because it literally doesn't look like it. And then Mark records two words that happen next that quite honestly just changed my life. And maybe yours too. He says, once more. Let's read it. 
He says, once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. And he saw everything clearly. So what do you do? When you're in the thick of this. Yesterday you were here. But life just has a way of sometimes bringing us here. In the wrestling. In the struggle. In the trial. In the testing. What do you do? We remind ourselves that he's a once more God. He's a God that says, I am who I am. And I'm in your corner. And I'm on your team. And I know it might seem that I'm silent right now as your faith is being tested and as you're in the trial, but I'm a once more God. And I'm gonna show up again and again and again. And I'm gonna remind you that I'm with you and that I'm for you. And that nothing can separate us. And my love for you, we remind ourselves that he's a once more God. He was for Moses. When Moses says, I'm not a good leader. I I, I can't do this. I've got a speech problem. God says, Moses, if you will trust me, if you will lean into me, if you will come to me, I will show my power through you in ways that you never thought was possible. And if he did it for Moses, I believe that he can do it for you and I this morning encounter. I believe he's a once more God. Can we stand this morning as we get ready to close and wrap up? Here's what I want to do as we close our time, Fulton Heights as well. Um, This morning you would You would say, Kyle, this message was for me. If I'm honest, I'm in the thick of it. I'm in the wrestling. I'm in the challenge. I'm in the depths of life. And I trust God, but but sometimes I'm not so sure about it. It's hard. If that's you this morning and you would also say my prayer, whether I knew it or not, my prayer is, God, remind me that you're trustworthy. If that's your prayer today, you would say, God, remind me that you are trustworthy. On the count of three, I just want you to go ahead and slip up your hand, Fulton Heights. This is for you as well. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you this morning, just go ahead and slip up your hand. God, remind me that you are a trustworthy God. Jesus, thank you so much for allowing us to be together today. Thank you so much for the story of Moses where we are reminded that you have a quick grace for our slow surrender. That even in the moments when we're wrestling, when we're challenged, when our faith is being tested, uh, God, you are once more God and you're in our corner and you're with us. And God, through the story of scripture and, and throughout history, you've, you've proven to be trustworthy. But sometimes when, the, when we're in the thick of it, it's hard to trust you. It's hard. So Jesus, for my friends today who raised their hand, God, would you remind us that you're a trustworthy God? Would you remind us that you are a once more God? Jesus, we surrender to you. We give you all the honor and the glory and the thanks and praise for it belongs to you and you only. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, let's continue to sing.